Hey, crime connoisseurs. If you're like me, you love diving into a good book. I especially love finding a book about cases we cover. But sometimes it's hard to find the time to sit and read. We live in an on-the-go society. Thankfully, Audible makes it easy to instantly access the books we love without sacrificing our time. With over 180,000 audiobooks and more, you will undoubtedly find one that will grip you and leave you not wanting to pull away while still being able to do other things. You can get a free 30-day trial membership by going to audibletrial.com backslash ccpod to start listening to your favorite books. That's audibletrial.com backslash ccpod for your free 30-day trial membership. Welcome back, crime connoisseurs. I'm your host, Grace D., and I hope you enjoyed our first episode. We're going on a wild ride this week, so buckle up buttercups as we travel back through the early 90s in Oregon. This case will be slightly shorter than what we normally cover, but that is because this episode, this case, is paramount to the next case that we're going to cover. This is the case of Tanya Bennett. On January 22, 1990, the body of a young woman was found along the Columbia River Gorge near the scenic overlook. The woman was found with rope around her neck, badly beaten, jeans down to her knees, and the zipper section from her jeans had been cut off. Detective John Ingram with the Multnomah County Sheriff's Office was one of the first on scene and could not locate any ID for the victim. They decided to have the woman's face sketched and distributed to the media. One week later, a woman called in and said that she believed the sketch was of her daughter. A family member went with Detective Ingram to view the victim. It was then confirmed that it was, in fact, the woman's daughter, Tanya Bennett. Tanya was 23 years old from Northeast Portland, and her family had reported her missing the day before, on January 21st. An autopsy was performed, and it was determined that Tanya was raped, beaten with a blunt object leading to several injuries, and was strangled with a piece of rope. Tanya was last seen at a local bar. She went to see about meeting up with some friends. Police interviewed people from the night Tanya went missing, and according to the bartender, they saw Tanya shooting pool with some people and talking with others, but no one recalled seeing her leave with anyone. A few days later, on February 5th, a call came into the detective section of the sheriff's office from a woman saying John Sosnovsky was responsible for Tanya's murder. Detective Ingram searched John Sosnovsky on the database and found that he was on probation, so he decided to give the probation officer a call. The probation officer told him how he received a call from John Sosnovsky's girlfriend, Laverne Pavlinak, 
Laverne told the probation officer how she'd overheard John telling someone in a bar how he had met Tanya Bennett. He said that he had picked her up and ended up murdering her and dumped her body by Vista House in the Columbia Gorge. Detective Ingram and his partner, Detective Alan Corson, with the Oregon State Police, decided to visit Laverne and talk to her about the claim against John. When they asked Laverne why she waited to come forward with the information, she said that John was abusive to her and she was afraid. They then asked Laverne where she was on January 21st, the night Tanya was murdered. Laverne told them that she had dropped John off at JB's Lounge in Wilsonville. She stated he arrived home around 1.30, 2 a.m., and immediately hopped in the shower, which was unusual. The following day, she noticed John had a bruise on his left hip, and he was complaining about his hands and wrists hurting. Detective Ingram describes Laverne as this nice older lady. Laverne told him that John was an alcoholic, and at times, he would become violent during sex. He also had a strange habit of tying knots with rope. Laverne was in her late 50s, about 57, and John was 39. Detective Ingram found it odd that, given her age, Laverne would even put up with a relationship of this nature. Detective Ingram said in his interview with the Netflix series Catching Killers that Laverne had appeared to be telling him the truth about everything. Detective Ingram asked Laverne if she would consent to them searching the apartment, which she did. While conducting the search, Detective Ingram found an envelope addressed to John, and on the back of it was written, T. Bennett. Good peace. John arrived home as Detectives Ingram and Corson prepared to leave. They identified themselves as police officers to him. John was very cooperative and even volunteered to go with them and be interviewed at the station. Now, I'm going to play a clip from the interview with John Savnowski and Detective Ingram that I got from Catching Killers. I'd like to ask you, do you know Tanya and Bennett? Not, not to my recollection, sir. We have been to your apartment and retrieved various things, one of them being a piece of paper with the name T. Bennett. Is that your printing? I cannot answer that in full So, in case you guys couldn't make it out, here's the basic rundown. Detective Ingram asks John, Do you know Tanya Bennett? John says, not to his recollection. Detective Ingram tells John they've been in the apartment and they retrieved some things. One of them was an envelope with the name T. Bennett on it. Detective Ingram shows John the envelope and asks if it's his writing. John replies, I cannot answer that in full honestness. During the interview, Detective Ingram asked John if he knew anything about Tanya's death, and John said that he didn't. After the interview, John was released. At this time, detectives didn't have enough probable cause to place him under arrest. After this, Deputy DA Jim McIntyre was assigned to the case. Detective Ingram briefed McIntyre on what they had so far. McIntyre instructed them to either get the evidence or move on. 
Detectives received a call from Laverne, and she told them that she believed she had things that she thought would be crucial to the case, placed them in a paper bag, and stapled it shut. Detectives Ingram and Corson went back to Laverne's place. When they opened the bag, they found a purse. They continued to examine the purse, opened it up, and found a zipper section from acid-washed jeans inside. Detective Ingram was skeptical they were from Tanya's jeans. The detectives brought John Sosnovsky back in for questioning after this. During this interview, John admitted to seeing Tanya at JB's lounge several times, the last time being January 21st, the night she was murdered. John said he was visiting a friend, Chuck, who was playing darts. Later on, Chuck left, and Tanya left as well. John said he believed they both left to go to a motel to have fun. John saw Chuck later that night and asked him for a ride home. During the ride home, John believed he saw a body in the back of the car. He told Detective Ingram the body was of a white adult female wrapped in a blanket. Detective Ingram wasn't buying it, though. Who would just get in a car, see a body, and just be like, oh, cool, all right, let's just keep driving. So he wasn't buying John's story. When Detective Ingram arrived at work the following day, Detective Corson told him the lab results were back from the zipper found at Laverne's. The jeans were not a match. Detective Ingram confronted Laverne about the results, and she admitted to planting the evidence, wanting John to get caught. Detective Ingram interviewed Laverne again, and this time had it recorded. I'm going to play that for you guys now, too. What happened during the evening hours of January 21st, 1990? The phone rang. It was John Sinovsky calling to tell me he was in trouble and to come fast and to bring the hard to grab something. What did you take with you when you went to see John at the JMU lab? Laverne told them how John had called her, saying to come quick, he needed help. John told her to bring something large with her to wrap something in. Detective Ingram asked Laverne what she brought with her, and she said a blue shower curtain. Laverne stated that when she arrived, she found a female on the ground, lying on her side, quiet. John approached the car window, and Laverne asked if the girl was sick, to which John replied, worse, she's dead. After this, Laverne said John placed the body in the shower curtain and put her in the car. Laverne said they should take her to the hospital, but John said no. Instead, they drove to the woods. John got the body out of the car. He went into the woods and was gone for about 15 minutes. When he came back, he was alone. The detectives decided this was enough information and arrested John Sosnovsky for aggravated murder. Detective Ingram wanted to ensure he had enough evidence for a conviction and asked Laverne if she could retrace the night of events with them and show them where they took Tanya's body. Laverne agreed. As they drove out to the area, they kept driving east for a bit as they approached where Tanya's body was found. Laverne then said to stop and turn the car around. So they returned to the site where the body was found and she had them stop the car, got out, 
and pointed to the area where Tanya was found. She was pointing within 10 feet of the crime scene. Five days after the arrest, Detective Ingram received a call on his pager around 3 a.m. that Laverne wanted to talk to him and Detective Corson. They went back to Laverne's apartment, and she was now stating that when she arrived at JB's that night, she pulled into the parking lot and saw John joking around with Tanya. She was alive. John told Tanya to get in the car. It was cold out. Laverne said that as they were driving at some point, Tanya had agreed to have sex with John. They arrived at the Crown Plaza, and John and Tanya went inside while Laverne waited in the car. Now, trigger warning for the events that are about to take place. He came back out and grabbed a rope out of the trunk, saying he was going to tie her up. When Laverne asked him why, he said it was more of a thrill that way. Laverne went with John and saw Tanya lying in the doorway, laughing. John told Laverne to place the rope around Tanya's neck. John then proceeded to have sex with Tanya. Laverne said she had closed her eyes because she knew what was happening and didn't want to witness it. She said she must have been tightening the rope as she was doing this, and John was saying, hang on, hang on, and hitting Tanya in the face repeatedly with his fists, and then Tanya became limp. Laverne said she felt that tightening the rope was ultimately what killed Tanya. After talking with Laverne again, Detective Ingram went to DDA McIntyre to explain everything Laverne had told them now. McIntyre asked where Laverne was, and Detective Ingram said they didn't arrest her. McIntyre was shocked. How could they have left a confessed murderer sitting at home, sipping her coffee with her family? He ordered Detective Ingram to go back and arrest her. Detectives Ingram and Corson drove back out to Wilsonville to arrest Laverne. As we all know, the procedure is to place someone in handcuffs when they're arrested. However, Detective Ingram couldn't bring himself to put the handcuffs on Laverne. He felt sorry for her and was comfortable around her. As he escorted Laverne to her cell, she looked him in the eyes and hugged him. This left him feeling all sorts of emotions. He felt like he was putting away his own mother or grandmother, leaving him feeling sad. As the district attorney's office was preparing for trial, Laverne recanted her confession. She was now claiming that she made everything up to set John up and get him out of her life. Detective Ingram went to DDA McIntyre's office to talk to him about the case. Detective Ingram told him something wasn't sitting right with him about this case. He felt as if something was missing. McIntyre was trying to reassure Ingram that, based on the facts and evidence they had, it all added up. They had their guilty parties. Laverne was tried first. Her trial began on January 24, 1991, one year and two days after Tanya Bennett's body would have been found. And her attorney was Wendell Berkland. The trial was not going well for Laverne and her attorney. Laverne took the stand in her defense. She told the court how John was abusive and she was trying to escape life with him. She told them she started a lie which snowballed out of control and she couldn't take back. During the proceedings, graffiti was found inside of a rest stop bathroom in Livingston, Montana, which read, I killed Tanya Bennett, 
January 21st, 1990, in Portland, Oregon. I beat her to death, raped her, and I loved it. Yes, I'm sick, but I enjoy myself too. People took the blame, and I'm free. Along with the graffiti was a hand-drawn happy face with it. However, it was dismissed as having non-evidentiary value and not introduced in Laverne's trial. There was an assumption made that this was a hoax, that someone in Laverne's family must have gone out and made this remark on the restroom wall in an attempt to throw the trial. During closing arguments, Berkland tried arguing why she made up her false confessions and why she would be so desperate to have John to go to prison and be removed from her and her family's lives. Berkland's closing arguments went on for seven hours. During Deputy District Attorney McIntyre's closing argument, he didn't speak. He merely got up and played the tape recorder on the table of Laverne's taped confession in its entirety to the jurors and everyone in the courtroom. After the taped confession finished playing, Deputy District Attorney McIntyre stood up, pointed to Laverne, and said to the jury, You listen to those words and that emotion, and you will look at Laverne Pavlinak and see the face of a murderer. On January 31st, 1991, Laverne was convicted of felony murder. She was sentenced to life in prison and to serve a minimum of 10 years. Nine of the jurors wanted to give her a more serious charge of aggravated murder, except for three on the panel, and if this had happened, Laverne would have been sent to death row. Knowing this, John Savnoski and his attorney had little appetite for a trial. If nine jurors were inclined to put a grandmother on death row, what would they do with an abusive drunk? In late March of 1991, John Sosnowski, looking bewildered, pleaded no contest to a charge of felony murder. When he drew a life sentence with 15-year minimum term, that appeared to be the end of Tanya Bennett's murder case. Three years later, in 1994, letters started to surface from someone claiming responsibility for the murder of Tanya Bennett. I killed Miss Bennett. I cut the buttons off of her jeans. I left her facing downhill and her jeans down by her ankles. A man and a woman got blamed for it. She was my first, and I thought I would not do it again, but I was wrong. And this is where we will end Tanya's story for now. In our next case, we're going on a deeper dive into this mysterious person and the claims they have made. Are Laverne and John the actual responsible parties and rightly behind bars? Or is this evasive letter writer the true culprit and two innocent lives are in prison for crimes they didn't commit? So who do you think is responsible? Laverne and John or this mysterious letter writer? Be sure to let me know in the Instagram post on this case. I'm interested to see what you guys have to say. In the meantime, keep it classy, connoisseurs, and I'll catch you on the next case.
Are you tired of settling for subpar cat food? It's time to upgrade your cat's dining experience with Smalls, the ultimate gourmet meal for your feline companion. Say goodbye to generic one-size-fits-all cat food. With Smalls, you can rest assured that your furry friend is getting the nutrition they deserve. Join the thousands of cat owners who have made the switch to Smalls and see the difference it can make in your cat's health and happiness. Treat your cat to the finest dining experience with Smalls. Visit smalls.sjv.io backslash ccpod now to order your first box. That's smalls.sjv.io backslash ccpod. Choose Smalls because your cat deserves the best.